up, what up, what up, what up, man? Today I have a special guest, Coach Marcus from Raleigh, man. Man, how are you? I'm doing wonderful today. How are you? I'm all right, man. It's, it's you know, like I was saying to you earlier, man, we we started having a conversation before we even started having a conversation. So just uh, <laughs> just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, man, and where, you, and where, you, and where you've been and where you're going. Okay, um, well, I played college basketball at Mississippi State. Um, after that, I played um, nine years professionally in Europe, the G League, small sense in the NBA. Um, since I've retired, I have uh, when I got two uh, when I got two degrees, and now I'm focusing on becoming an elite level high school basketball coach. Oh, that's pretty dope, man. Um... You know, speak a, speak a little bit about your college and professional career. I know, you know, you're like number the the, the ninth in school history. You know what I'm saying? And with with like over 87 blocks, man, like that's big, man. My my, my roles changed from high school. Um, coming in coming into college, I was the top 60 player in the country. Going into college, I had to learn the game. And once you're, what I would advise all young kids to do is to learn the game. Because all roles ain't superstar roles. Some roles might be role player roles, and and I, I found myself being really, really comfortable and being a good role player, a good teammate, and just learning the game. And I was fortunate enough in four years to go to four NCAA tournaments. And then when I got finished playing basketball in college, I had an opportunity to play in the, what was the D League, and got some some chances to go to Europe and played some more in the D-League and got some invites to different NBA workouts and vet camps and summer league experiences. So, I mean, I got a chance. Uh, what I would say is that throughout my career, basketball has changed. You know, in high school, we have a system that promotes the superstars. Then when you get to college, you have to figure out how to fit in. And I think that I did a good job with figuring out my niche in college. Yeah, that's 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 big too. Um, you know, shoot, I think a lot of shoot a lot of parents don't understand either that either. But I know in uh, in in your area, you have something um, something big. You have your own company, your own training company that focuses on post player skills. Speak a little bit about that and and how that well, works. Well, well, not to cut you off, I apologize for that. I should have waited till you got finished. But anyway, um. I designed my program based upon what I was seeing. And what I was seeing was a bunch of people who like to teach things that are more to the flash and more to, okay, I've seen Kyrie Irving do this yesterday, so I'm going to teach this to the kids because this is important. And then I just thought about basketball because, you know, from my experience, I've seen basketball in 11 countries. And the one thing that I've seen was structure, discipline, and fundamentals. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, like, when you're watching basketball around the globe, I'm trying to give kids a bigger perspective with my company. My company, we we train based upon efficiency. Mm. I don't believe in training kids in moves that I believe that someone created on the fly as a reaction. Yeah. And I, don't, I just don't believe in that. I believe that simplicity... Simplicity is still very difficult to guard. Mm -hmm. And my prime example I'm talking to kids is, you know, uh, Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard's game to me mimics 
kind of similar to what I do. I do basics, and I master the basics. And the reason I master the basics is because that's how the global game is played. It's not a coincidence that you have uh, Berzingis coming over here at seven foot two and extremely fundamentally sound at all aspects of basketball. That's mm. because that's what they drill over there. That's what they work on. So with my company, I wanted to bring that, and I also wanted to bring up mentoring. Uh, like I like to mentor kids about the process because there's a lot of voices, there's a lot of chefs in the kitchen when it comes to you dealing with a high school athlete. There's a lot of people telling you what you want to hear, not telling you what you need to hear. Right. Um, and so with my company, I offer free mentoring. Like if the kid needs a mentor or somebody that's going to help them and tell them the truth, because honestly speaking, I, I don't want anything to gain from a child. I just want to be able to provide them from an old head perspective of someone who's been through the recruiting process. Like, here, you might want to ask these questions. You might want to consider these things. Right. When I was going through the process, there wasn't, I didn't know of an, advo- an advocacy group like what I try to put together for my company that is going out and this is like it's informing kids of, hey, man, you got to make, this is one of the biggest decisions in your life. So you got to make sure it's right. It's the right decision. And it's not just a quick decision or it's not a decision to make everybody around you be like, oh, man, you're going to play at that school. That has nothing to do with this situation. Right. So, And we also do basketball camps, guest speaking events. So what I try to do with my company is I'm trying to grow it and trying to get it bigger in this area. Good. And, you know, I, I, when, you, when you spoke about, you know, just – Going or making the right decision as far as your your what fits you in in a program. I um recently had a conversation um with someone I knew just about the the path that I took and the decision um that I made. I you know I just spoke about um me getting into in, into college level basketball. I was looking for the good time versus, instead of the realistic time. You know what I'm saying. And the, you know, the good time is what sold me, but realistically it was the bigger picture once everything was said and done, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I do understand that. And I think a lot of people aren't really, um, tackling those issues. It's more just about, you know, the big names, like you said, man. And so what are your, so what are your thoughts about where, where the, where, where have the post play Post-play gone. Like, you know, just post-play in the, in the game. We, well, this could revert back to when I was playing. When I was playing in Europe, this was like 13 years ago, 14 years ago. The first thing I noticed when I got over there is that the post-players played off the block. The post-players were moving around a lot more than I was used to playing in collegiate basketball. And I think it's like, it's weird how basketball transcends, and it transcends based upon whatever what everyone else is doing. Because right. they want a they want a true global game. They want a global game like soccer. Soccer is a global game. Right. It doesn't. It's played a certain kind of way all around the world. So with basketball, when I started noticing this, I remember talking to my best friend and on the phone when I was in um, Italy, and I was like, "Hey, man, they got six, ten, six, eleven guys out here." handling the ball. Right. Like, they got six, ten, six, eleven guys out here picking, popping, shot making, driving from 30 feet away from the basket. And it was it was a difference. But I still think, and I'm still going to be a component of this, because I guess it's because of how I think and how I think basketball relates to numbers and percentages. 
Right. So, in my opinion, I believe that a lot of people are mimicking European bigs by teaching kids the ball handling and teaching kids, which is all good things to know. But you also have to teach them how to play the game. Right. In the game of basketball, I was training a kid yesterday. I'm not going to say his name, but I was training a kid yesterday, 16 kid. Um, extremely skilled. But he's to the point where he doesn't understand the game. So, yesterday during the workout, he was like, hey, man, um, I need to work on threes because the school I'm going to, they wanted me to shoot threes. He's 6'10", 235. So, in my opinion, looking at his foot speed, judging a couple of different things, his foot speed, his uh, hip flex, like his hip strength, how fast does he move laterally, he is not a, right now, he is not a three right now. Right now, he's a traditional four right, right now. And so, like, when I'm working him out and he's telling me this, I stopped him one time. I said, hey, man, you're going into your freshman year. How many threes do you think you're going to shoot? And then he said, he said, oh, man, uh, um, um, I feel like, <laughs> he said, he said, I feel like, he said, I feel like I'm going to um, get about, he said about 73. I said, man, you're going to get 43. And then he was like, oh, okay. And then he was like, uh, he was like, I said, how much, what's the three-point percentage do you think an NBA scout or a European scout thinks is a good percentage? And he said, oh, oh about, about 30, 35%. I said, yeah, that's, that's good. That's a good number. 30, 35%. So that's 43 points that you're, you're, that you're working on at the gym. And I'm getting to a bigger picture with him, like telling him how to work on his game. So I'm saying, okay, so, because he, he was like, well, you got to shoot mid-ranges all day. And I said, yeah. I said, because if you shoot 30% from the three-point line, you shoot 65 to 70% from 15, from 12 to 17, and you shoot 75% inside the paint, you, you're scoring at an efficient level on all three levels. You are. So now if the scout looks at you, they can say, hey, he can, he can also shoot it, but he can also play. Yeah. And he also understands that if the three-pointers ain't falling today, the two-pointers going to be falling. Right. If the two-pointers ain't going to be falling today, then I got to take my behind down there in the post and I can get me a couple of buckets and I can be efficient and help my team. Right. But see, the way that the way training goes nowadays, that level of expertise only comes from people who actually play the game. Right. Because what you're looking at a lot of times when you're talking to trainers, you're looking at people that are training big kids on how to do small kid moves. Right. But they don't understand the game and how it's played from a big kid's perspective. Right. Like, you, you're 6'10". Yeah, I get it. You got a Euro step, and you got to step back, and that's great. But when you get to college, even Anthony Davis, when he went to Kentucky, he still had to go down there and figure out how to get post position and how to block shots and rebound, how to run the floor, because that's the game. Right. You know, it's good to have those skills, but we forget sometimes the difference between, like, you can't train a kid on what you see in the NBA to what translates to the kid in high school. Right. I don't believe in that. Fundamentally, I don't believe in that. And I guess it's because I'm a school teacher now. So as a <laughs> school teacher, I look at it like if my son goes to third grade and you're talking about he needs to learn algebra, then that's, that, that to me doesn't make sense. Just like it doesn't make sense for me to train a high school kid on how to do a move that the Anthony Davis. I mean that's just me. Right. So 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 I guess have you had a have you have you had a um 
have you had to, to gain another sense of appreciation for the position since you know you've you've had a lot of kids that want to do God work? Is it more like have you said, dang, you know what, like people really don't understand, like this position is 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 more important than than what they what, what they're portraying it to be. It, it is, and on winning programs, see, every kid nowadays wants to. Every kid nowadays wants to be a superstar, mm-hmm. and I think that what we've done is when we treat when we when we teach a superstar culture, we forget that winning is the most important part, and winning is what keeps these college coaches employed. Right. So a lot of the training that I see is tra- it's, it's training a kid to be a one on one specialist. I don't believe in that. My training is based upon game situations. So, like, I, I like to train kids on what game situation. Like, if the ball is swung to you, what can you do that's efficient in three steps? What are you looking at? Are you ready to shoot? Can you shoot off the catch? Can you put the ball down one time and go up and shoot? Like, those soft skills build on to the things that the kids really want to do. But if you don't master something, then why should you work on something else? But, but what you want to work on, it's like it's like this, man. Someone told me this. They said, if you really love the game, you love all aspects of the game. And I really believe that we're, we're raising a generation of kids that treat basketball like it's an app. Right. Oh, I don't want to work on this because this is boring. But I want to work on this because I've seen Steph Curry do it. Right. But then you get in the game and you get put in situations where you have to know the soft fundamentals and you don't know them. Right. But then your parent is yelling at the coach saying, well, he goes to a trainer, and the trainer did, and I'm spending all this money. But your trainer has to do things that are based on keeping that kid's attention because that kid probably doesn't like basketball. You know, the generations have changed. My generation, my generation was the generation that got off the school bus, just like yours, that got off the school bus, we going to go play ball. This, This generation gets off school bus, they got to go see what's going on on Instagram first, Twitter second, and then they on 2K. Right. And then they going to hoop whenever the trainer's saying we got to go hoop. Right. The kids the kids are different, so the times are different. So, like, when you're coaching these kids, like, trying to use – what I try to do with mine is just use real-life experiences and real-life understanding from a, from a journeyman, from a guy that could be plugged into many different situations and he could play. So, like, that's what I try to – relate my training services to because I believe that's going to help you in the long run. It's going to help you play longer if you have a good fundamental base that you can build upon. You can play basketball longer. Right, right. So so then this is the million dollar question then. That, you know, and I've, I've you know, I've kind of been, I've been in AAU, you know, and, and, and not really making myself um, a part of the um part of the politics of it. Uh, I've just tried to stay on the outskirts of just just working with this developmental and, you know, just develop this developmental skills and, and just more um, the social part of it is help building, you know, just a, a certain level of confidence. So my question to you is, what do you think about, uh, what do you think about this AAU era? I think the AAU era is good in certain situations. And that's in everything you do. Okay. I think that I think that we have a lot of parents who all parents want the best for their kids. I'm a parent. I have three kids. I want the best for my child, 
but I also am an athlete. Right. So I also understand that there's growing pains with sports. And that everything you get on the basketball court, you have to earn. Just right. like football, just like baseball, just like any sport. Right. Anything in life you, that you get, you're going to have to earn. Any obstacle that you need. But when you're dealing with a lot of different parents, I think that their viewpoint on sports is they got to win. And all the kids got to be happy. Right. And all the kids got to have the same level of success. It's more of a socialist viewpoint of sports, and it's not that way. Right. But but most parents don't understand the teaching that goes into sports as being a coach, for instance. Like, I, I know that on every basketball team that I've played on, I have not been a focal point. But wow. I still was a big part of the team yeah. because I had to do my job every single day. Right. And what that prepared me for in life was to understand, like, hey, man, sometimes it's going to be about you and sometimes it's not. And that's okay. Right. As long as we go out there and we give our best effort and energy and attitude at, at any given time. But what, what that boils down to in an AAU culture is you have people that are not qualified to be around and teach kids. Right. So what happens is they come off a little bit brass. And then when they come off brass, because they got good intentions, but they come off brass, you got parents who they can't articulate the soft skills, like the communication and the collaboration. Like, I would put my son in team sports just for those two things because those two things prepare you for life outside of the basketball court. Right. And I think that what we have now, we have a culture of parents who... If it ain't about my kid, then I'm going to say little hating things to get everybody on the same accord with me. Right. Like the family the family groups are different now. Like when I was playing AAU, my mom has never went to an AAU tournament. And none of my, nobody on my team, I've never seen their parents at an AAU tournament. Right. Now, you have, now you have parents who think that that's support. And in my opinion, that's not support. Because if your child really wants to do something, like really, really wants to do something. You being there is not going to dictate whether or not their child really wants to do it or not. Right. But you you being there to control the narrative, like I see Alan Stein, Alan Stein did this uh, piece and he was talking about like how parents hurt their child and they don't even know it. Like if you get in the car with your kid after a game and you say, Oh, that coach don't know what he's doing. Oh, I would have played you and, and did this, and I would have played you because you don't want to see your child hurting because they didn't perform well. Right. That right there that was, that's is giving big, your man. child an excuse. That's it's big. giving them an excuse. That's big. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, like, in my opinion, like, as being a, a high school assistant and running my own AAU program, I've dealt with parents who do that, and I disagree with it because if your child loves it, they're going to do it regardless. They're going to do it regardless. Right. If he loves it, he can, he can get knocked down a hundred times. He's going to get up a hundred and one because that's what he loves to do. And it weeds out all the children who should not be in the gym. Like, I get it. Like, basketball is growing and basketball is popular and all the kids want to do it. But basketball is something that you have to sacrifice for. It's something that you got to put forth effort for. And if, you, if your child is not doing that, then you have to be realistic with your child because if you're not realistic with your child and you see them lies, him or her lies, what you're doing is you're setting them up for a great disappointment. Right. Man, I, I agree with that 100%. I really do. Um, you know, to kind of get on a little softer side, um, the softer side of things, um, 
you know, I kind of, I, I, I'm serious. I, I, you know, I, I, I started hard and hustle, um, you know, just to, okay. to focus on the improvement of the mental health in the athlete through my, through their mind, body, and soul. Right. Um, you know, one athlete at a, t- at a t- one athlete at a time, you know, um, okay. so w- with my question, um, have you ever worked or trained or coached or, you know, mentored um, any players that have faced with uh, mental health issues or, you know, have struggled with depression or have struggled with just not knowing what direction that they, you know, truly want to go in? Um, I would say, without saying any names, I would say that probably about 90% of the children that I work with come from some type of post-traumatic stress syndrome, some type of anxiety. All of us athletes, we've learned how to deal with it. Like, sports in itself creates that avenue. So I would say that a lot of the kids that I deal with, it's a, a coach is more of a therapist than most people know. Yeah. You know, like, to be honest, the best coaches I've had uh, haven't been the best X and O guys, but they've been the best motivators, best therapists. They know how to get in your head. They know how to get you out of your head. Yeah. They know how to They know how to motivate you in different ways. And I think that, like, with my training, I think I've come across a lot of kids that have a lot of things off the court, and I use it. Like, I'm not giving a name, but a kid that I, I worked with, his dad was um, – was uneducated immigrant uh, from Nigeria, uh, drove taxi cabs. And uh, this kid was hungry. He wanted to learn. He wanted to play basketball. He wanted to be good. So what I would use with him a lot was, hey, man, we're not working hard just for you. You're working hard for your dad so he don't have to drive a taxi cab 18 hours a day. And then he looked at me, and then he was like, this is hard, but... I can see the point in it. Yeah. And then so it makes it easier for him now. Yeah. And and I use that, I use that little ploy and I use it all the time. I was like, listen, man, we're working for this goal. Because sometimes, like with a horse, it's just not using a kid as an analogy of using it like a horse. Mm-hmm. If you put the carrot where they can see it, then they can get to their potential faster because they can understand that, first of all, I'm doing it for me. And second of all, I'm doing it for my family. That's what I like to tell kids. First of all, you're doing it for you. So I told them, I said, your dream was this. So when I taught their kid, I asked them what they want to do. So I, I asked them, I tell me, tell me, tell me the biggest dream you got. Because when I started playing basketball, that's what I had, the biggest dream I had. Right. And then what I tell him, that's for you first. Now, these are the other issues that you got to tackle as well. But I'm playing on the mental aspect of the person because I know but that person is dealing with something off the basketball court. Like my high school coach knew I was dealing with things off the basketball court. Right. And so he would use he would use different avenues to keep me focused in my schoolwork and keep me focused on the court. Right. And I think a good coach I think a good coach has those abilities. Right. I think a lot of times we do go we overlook that too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, you know, we, we just do. We 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 want to push the kids to go hard, you know. We want to we want them to dig deep within themselves, and a lot of times, you know, these kids really don't know, or athletes, period, not necessarily kids, but you know, they don't they don't know how to switch that on and off, you know, um, to use that yeah, as you fuel. gotta know the trigger, you right? Trigger. <laughs> right, and especially you know, yeah. using that fuel to to go harder or using that fuel to get better, 
you know, so I I'm I I, I want to bring that into a larger light and to really, you know, make parents and coaches not necessarily be sensitive about it, but be more aware of it and look more into it yeah. to to find different ways exactly. to, to to better coach. Um, you know, to make a, a a better athlete. You know what I mean? Just overall. I, I, I agree. You know, I think that what people 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 don't understand the power of relationships. Right. And when you're coaching a kid, that's the one thing I've always tried to do. And that's because I took something from every when I coach kids, I take something from every great coach I had. Right. And I had a coach who wasn't the best X and O guy, but he was really good with relationships. And he was really good with sticking to a plan and executing the plan. So right. I took that mantra from him in understanding that basketball coaching is like being a parent. So if your parent doesn't tell you or doesn't show you that they love you, then disciplining that child will be extremely hard. Right. Chastising that child will be extremely hard because in that kid's brain, it's not coming from a place of love. So what you have to do when you're becoming a coach, this is for all the guys out here, females out here that are trying to become a coach, and they're looking on TV and they're saying, oh, that guy's real, he's real crass all the time, he's real hard all the time. But you have to understand, just as hard as Coach K is on the, on the, on the battlefield, he has to show those kids that he loves them and he cares about them in other ways right. so that those kids will be recipita- reciprocate what he's saying. Right. Be able to be able to understand it and be able to perform at a high level because it can't just be one way. It cannot just be one way the whole time. Right. And you know what's crazy? Like the the growing up, like the ideal coaches for for me, um, were were Vivian Stranger, which was which was a she was a monster. You know what I'm saying? Like she didn't play no games. But I also had a favorite coach who was um the total opposite, Diane Richardson, you know what I mean, who I had the chance to um to to be a student as as to be a student in her class, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and she was she was very soft spoken, you know what I mean? But you know, you knew what she meant when she said it, you know, but it wasn't very aggressive, you know? So I think a lot of times, um, you know, just, this coaching and, and just, just, just being able to relate to kids and find just different things about them or at the least period, not necessarily kids. Cause I guess we all struggle with some sense of, uh, mental health at some point in time in our lives. Um, you know, just finding that niche and what is going to work for uh-huh. you in your program and how to better, you know, better athlete, um, you know, on a beneficial side, you know. And understanding that not all children are, not all children are the same. Yeah. Uh, I think that, I think that the, the benefit from a high school coach is perspective, not saying this like across the board, not saying this across the board, because there are some really, I mean, some really, really good high-level AAU coaches basically on the on, on the national scene and on the cusp of being in the national scene. So I don't want to say that these guys are not and these females are not really good coaches because there are really good coaches out there. But in some of the tournaments and some of the experiences I've seen, I would think that, you know, looking at a lot of these coaches on the sideline at AAU events, I can see why USA Basketball wants to, to kind of 
get away from AAU. Right. And it's because of the teaching aspect of things. Right. I can't yell at you. I can't yell at you. It's just not in my nature to do it because I know that I was once that player. Right. And so I can't yell at you about something and expect you to do something that you don't know. Right. So if I haven't done my job, I can't get on the battlefield and expect you to figure it out. Right. And there's a lot of situations that I see like that. And there's other situations that AAU that I don't like, and that's that gang mentality. Like, it's kids right now in America that will sit in a bad situation because of the gang mentality that's attached to AAU. Right. Oh, you play with this AAU club. Yo, we family, we doing this and we doing that. Yeah, that's great. But how is that benefiting you as a basketball player? Right. Like, if it was not, like, a lot of these kids that they're doing this to are kids who come from homes, but there's not a father in the home. Right. So what they've done is they've created a family atmosphere so the child will never leave. Even if what is going on in this program is not for the best of him. Like, it's not going to better him at all from playing on a, on a C or B team with a coach who has no business coaching kids on a team where none of the kids are getting better, but they pay 800 to $1,000 to play. Right, right. And I get business. I get business. And I get, oh, it's business. We're, we got a Nike deal. We got an Adidas deal. We got an Under Armour deal. But are you doing what's best for children? Right. Do you really have a program? Or are you are you going out and recruiting kids to keep up a, a, a status quo so you can keep getting money? Right. See, Basketball, for me, and my program is this. I don't, listen, the wins to take care of themselves. If you follow instructions, if you can defend and rebound, and you can play hard, you can play basketball for me. Right. Like, that's just how I look at things. Okay, All right, so, about... so, so my, so my, uh, my next question, I think we had a conversation about um, high school coaches coaching AAU and what what you said, you know, just, just that whole, you know, um, player going to two different, hearing two different voices and things like that. So AAU coach versus the high school coach. Why, why do you, what question is, why do you think most uh, players or most coaches don't really deal with the whole AAU situation? Uh, fear, not understanding, don't want to, Fear, not understanding AAU, not understanding the uh, reach AAU has. Then you have high school coaches who don't want to give up that time because that time for the summertime is spent with their families. Uh, but a basketball junkie like myself, I, I mean, it's all about time management for me. When I was running my AAU program and uh, assistant coaching in high school, uh, the one factor that I loved about it is I can set the schedule for whatever I felt like I wanted to do it. And most AAU programs don't practice every single day. So a high school coach might find it a little bit challenging because you can't, you're not going to have enough funds to practice every single day. So you're not going to be able to get the kids in the gym every single day because kids are coming from all over the place. So it's a little bit different than a high school situation. Um, I feel as though a lot of a lot of high school coaches don't want to get into AAU because AAU, like I said, there's a lot of AAU coaches out there that are better than a lot of high school coaches. Right. There's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys out there that really know the game of basketball, 
they're just not a teacher, so they're not working in a school setting. So I mean, it's a challenging, it's a challenging arena. It's a very challenging arena. And then you're dealing with high level D one, mid level D one, low level D one, NAIA, JUCO level talent. It's different. Like in a high school setting, you kind of know what the talent is going to look like, and you're coming out of your school, coming out of the schools around you. So you can game plan for that a little bit better. You can't really game plan for a team that might have a 6'11 shooting guard, yeah. a 6'6 point guard, a 7-foot center. You've never seen that. So I can see how the intimidation will come into that. And you'll have a lot of high school coaches who are not ready for that level of basketball. Right. So a million-dollar question, the second million-dollar question. Um, I know Zion Williams, man, is is, is starting his debut. Um well, he started his day, his, his rookie year uh, in the NBA, man. Do you, you consider him as a true post player from this point on or or, or what? No. And, how do you, and how do you think I'm his first weird. year will be? I'm weird on Zion because I know Zion has a unique set of skill sets and I know he's going to be great in the NBA, but he's going to be totally different than anything we've seen because his skill package is totally different. Like, he's He's different, like physically different. And the physically different part allows him to do things that other kids can't do. And um, I think that makes him unique. Uh, I think that there's some things that I'm intrigued on seeing, and that's him playing and guarding threes in the NBA. I think that that's going to be interesting for me. What else will be interesting for me, because I know he'll be able to rebound on the NBA level. I know he'll be able to defend on the NBA level. But I want to see what happens when teams start game planning for him on the catch, off the dribble. Like, what will his packages look like from that attribute? And I don't think that really shooting is really that big of an issue for me because we're looking at Ben Simmons put up record numbers, and he ain't shot a jump shot past the free throw line in almost three seasons. Yeah, people, so, you know, I, man, yeah, I'm telling so you. It, it, so it, it's not going to bother me if he can't really make an outside jump shot, but I want to see how effective he'll be in an NBA game with the amount of running because I think what's going to happen is he's going to have to lose 10 to 15 pounds. And then when he loses 10 to 15 pounds, he'll be a whole other animal, mm. I believe, in my opinion. In my opinion, he'll be a whole other animal. He loses 10 to 15 pounds and working and continuously works on his, his jump shot, his, his perfect his mid-range game. He could be special. But I think I think he is special right now because he's more like a Carlos Boozer with LeBron James athleticism. Like, he can mm. jump off the ground explosively. But he and, and the way he mixes it up with his footwork and his body positioning in the post it reminds me of a Carlos Boozer. Like, he can take contact and go make shots. He can take contact. Like, he's hard to stop. Like, if you put a bigger person on him, he's faster. If you put a smaller person on him, he's just going to body you. And there's nothing you can really do about it. So I really believe he's unique in that attribute. Because you can't put put a center on him. So do you, he's too fast for a center. So you can't do it. So do you think New Orleans is, is going to make some noise this year? I 
I think that I, that I think that I think the person who I know that was a piece that they had to get was Lonzo Ball, and mm-hmm. I love Lonzo Ball. I think Lonzo Ball is a great player. I think he's what the point guard position should be. I think that what the NBA has done is it changed what we think the point guard position should be. Right. Point guards should be the orchestrator. The point guard should be getting everybody else in tune with the game while figuring out how to get into his own flow, in right. their own flow. Right. Now we're seeing a lot of kids get a lot of clout in high school because they can go out there and score 30, but they can't get anybody else involved. Right. And we're, we're, we're recruiting six foot three, six foot four converted shooting guards into point guards, which to me, when I look at the game, I don't understand that. And I think that's kind of silly. Right. I think that the point guard position, just like the center position, were key positions. But now that we're going to this position with basketball, everyone has to have the same level of skill level. Right. So like big got to be able to dribble like guards. Guards have to be able to do the dirty work that a big would do just in case. Uh, an example is P.J. Tucker. Mm. You know, P.J. Tucker has to, P.J. Tucker has to know pretty much everybody's position. You know what I'm saying? Right. He's, he's a true positionalist player. Yeah. I, I, and, I, and that that side of the game is a European. It's a European context of the game. Right. Like when I was playing in Europe, you'll see teams like that. Like for instance, you'll have an agent tell you, "Oh yeah, this is a six-eight under league." What does that mean? That means that that's a positionless basketball league. So that means that they don't have a traditional five in that league. Oh, wow. So, like, all of the players are playing away from the basket. Like, they're moving the ball. They're playing without the ball. The game is a lot faster, and there's a higher percentage of points that are being scored. Oh, wow. So, it's, 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 what, it's, it's what the game – it's what they want the game to be. That's why they've opened it up so much where there's not a post-up guy because that game, to a lot of people, slows it down. You know, that slows the game down. So I'm, keeps the I'm, numbers low. So I'm actually just I'm actually just last question since since you said that. So do you think that um, Golden State was ahead of the game when they changed the the uh, the dynamics of play in the, within their offense? I think Golden State's culture is ahead of the game. Mm. I think Golden State's culture is just like San Antonio's culture. Like if you add a guy on your team like a Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant gets the same amount of shots that he was getting when he played in OKC, but averages more points. That means, that tells me something. That tells me that, hey, man, you're playing alongside two other Hall of Fame shooters, and everyone is getting their shots. So that means that the ball is moving. Hmm. So I believe their culture of how they play was true positionless basketball. Like the way they play their offense is is it's very difficult. And the only reason why I feel like Toronto did it such a good job is because they had length. And they were switching to length. And they were switching to length with mobility, which is different. So mm-hmm. like on every screen situation, every interchanging situation, they were switching to length. And after a while, that length was, was bothersome to Golden State. But their culture in a whole, it's hard for NBA players to play the way Golden State plays. Because everybody nowadays is worrying about their numbers. Right. But Golden State, Golden State had made it up in their mind, like, this is what team is about. 
Team is about sacrifice. Right. Team is about we got to do this because I may not want to give up this shot. I may feel like I can make it, but at this point in time, this person has a better shot. So I have to be, I have to trust that this person is going to do their job just like he's trusting that I'm going to do mine. Right. And I felt like their culture was good for basketball, and it caused a lot of hate. It caused a lot of hate because the society today, I mean, especially the basketball you, society, we're looking at James Harden and saying that James Harden is the MVP. Right. But James Harden is a great basketball player, and I don't want to say anything negative about him. He's a great basketball player. But James Harden is not the type of guy that could play for Golden State. Because the way Golden State played, James Harden would have to move without the ball a lot and then get it in positions where he could be effective without dominating the ball. Man, I'm telling you, but if they the want to be successful... Yeah. My bad. Yeah. My bad, Marcus. Go ahead. No, 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 no. No, I was saying, if they, if they wanted to be successful this you know, this season coming, he definitely going to have to move without the ball. He's going to have to definitely move without the ball, and I think that that's something that you should teach kids. But you can't teach kids if you go to a training session and the only thing that they're working on it's off-hand and on-hand finishes and how to be the person that dominates the ball. Right. Like, basketball in itself wasn't designed like that. Right. But we're changing We're changing the, the demographics, the, the dynamics of the game because the dynamics of the game breeds superstars. Like, this is the first time in my, in my knowledge of watching the NBA that we have so many dudes that average 24, 25 points a game. <laughs> and, and it's confusing. It's confusing to me because, like, the object for every NBA team, like, should be to win. Mm-hmm. Like, we're winning, not scoring numbers. But when you look at the money that's involved in the NBA, you can see how important the numbers are. Right. So it's a catch twenty-two. Right, man. So you know, what I mean, I just, I really just want to close it out here. You know, what I mean, I know shoot, we're gonna have to definitely get on another one. Because um, you have so much knowledge about the game in a, in a different perspective um, that I've ever experienced. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate the conversations, man. So, you know, um, what I like to do is just end it all by just saying something in, 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 in what you would want the world to remember. Control what you can control. This goes out to all the parents. Don't control your child's narrative in sports. If your child loves it, it doesn't matter what happens. Win, lose, or draw. If he goes out there and he doesn't play but two, three minutes, encourage him to go to practice the next day and figure out for the coach what he needs to do to get more minutes. And be patient. You know, Rome wasn't built overnight. And I know a lot of kids who, if it wasn't for patience, they would be playing professional basketball. So as a parent, you have to be patient. This is a process. This is a learning process. Make sure your child is developing, not just winning. That he or she is developing, and they can explain the game to you. Because if they can't do that, then they've lost the true meaning of sport, and they've lost the true meaning of being on a team. That's, All right, man. That's big, man. So, you know, if you can, just tell everyone how they can reach you or how, you know, what's your follow, what's your Instagram. Facebook, you know, so, so that right. can I'm gonna be up. honest. The next time, the next time I get on, I'm gonna have all that stuff situated for you. I'm actually revamping my website 
uh, and my Twitter handle, my wife is telling me that I need to revamp it. So <laughs> she's doing the marketing. So she's telling me I need to revamp it. So the next time I'm on, I will definitely have all that information for you. But for now, you can reach me um, through my email, which is M-A-R-C-U-S-C-A-M-P-B-E-L-2-4 at gmail.com. It's basically Marcus Campbell, one L, two four at gmail.com. Shoot me an email. Let me know what you think. Um, I look forward to hearing you and answering any questions about the process of, you know, going from high school to college, or from college to professional ranks. All right, thanks, Coach, man. You You know what? I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Hey, no problem, man. Thanks for tuning in to Grind Where Your Dreams is Your Story.